and welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Yay, we're back! We did it! <laughs> we're finally recording again. It has been many months. Yeah, just and so you know. And then also many days. Th- this is not like we were spending this time working on a backlog, so it never happens again. Oh, hell no. No, no. <laughs> we're back to our old shenanigans. Don't expect better. <laughs> recording the night of, and then me frantically editing and sending it out. And by the night of, we mean the night after. <laughs> well, the night of, of release. Problems. The night of release. I mean, illness is a legitimate excuse, I think, obviously. Yeah, CC sounded it. like a brick shithouse yesterday. I still sound half brick, so. But not that she managed to ditch the shithouse, and that's good <laughs> enough for this podcast. Some brick dust for sure, but not a full shithouse's worth. So, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys bear with us, and, uh. Hopefully it's worth the wait. Although, God, pressure. <laughs> yeah, right? I uh, The longer it took for us to come back, the more I'm like, maybe we should just start a new podcast. <laughs> different podcast. Yeah, start a, a start different podcast knows with the same anymore. exact name. As opposed to the seven people who know us. <laughs> yes. Greeting no. seven people. But we couldn't do that to you guys. Our seven fans. Our seven fans. Thank you for being here with us. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> anyway uh so peter what have you been reading lately um i have been diving back into the emperor's blades universe oh really that's yeah. just a couple months after the last time we did that right well yeah but i'm going back to a book that we haven't done i, Which I one was is that? doing skull sworn oh okay cool so for anyone that does not know this is a a book i'm not going to call it a prequel book because it doesn't really fit but it is... It's not in the same, like, narrative. Right. But, but it, it just is, happened before. It, right. It's it's a origin story for... Mm, Petra? I, could, I thought you were reading. <laughs> yeah. It's been, like, three Pierre. days since I... P- Pierre. Pierre? Pierre. No, it's Pierre. I haven't read the text version of it, Pierre. and so this is one of those Pierre. audiobook problems. Where I don't, like, totally know how a name is spelled, so I can't fully grasp how it to say is it. It is so... It's, it, it is a problem in the Emperor's <laughs> Blade series more than anything else I've ever read. Yeah, that's definitely The fucking true. Access Stream. Yeah, Access Stream. Yeah. But I actually out. looked up the page for that so I could figure out how it was spelled. <laughs> I, I was but it was one of those things, like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, Mom, how do you spell this? And she's like, look it up in the dictionary. And you're like, the dictionary is alphabetical. This <laughs> <laughs> one of those moments for sure. <laughs> I remember I was trying to puzzle out how to spell that word, like, halfway to your house. Like, I was listening to the audiobook on the way to your house. For, you know, it was your apartment, and it was the first time I ever listened to it, and I was like, accessory? How the fuck do you spell accessory? <laughs> what is this word? I hate it. <laughs> but I also love it. It's also a good word. It's also but such a great have, word and such a great part of the universe. You feel for the narrator, for sure, though. Oh, yeah, he's like, Because it's hard to say. It's like the first time it comes out, you, like, hear the editing around it, and you're like, oh, you gotta <laughs> cut this one in, huh? <laughs> He nailed it one time, and then they just copied and pasted that one time and copied and pasted over every single time he says it. He, they had to have. He's like, every time he tries to say it, he claps really loud, says success stream, or whatever, and then claps again, and he's like, alright, right there, right? Cool. I'm out. I'm gonna go play golf or something. Exactly. You know what narrators oh, do. I'm reading, like, three different things. Oh, that's exciting. Ask. Well, I was not done talking, you know, we were wrapping up talking about oh. my thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have more to say? No, I didn't have more to say. I, okay. just, you know, I just 
just, you know, you didn't give me a chance to, to prove myself. <laughs> well, prove yourself next month, Peter. All right, fuck um, me, I guess. <laughs> so I recently finished reading A Gentleman in Moscow, which was terrific. Um, but I decided because of that, that I'm finally going to try to tackle Anna Karenina, a book I have wanted to read for a really long time and also been intimidated by for a really long time. So I've started reading that. TBD, if I'll actually conquer it this time because <laughs> i'm also reading other things so you know how that goes um i am also trying to read the fifth season which is a very well thought of book that i just haven't been able to like to enjoy yet like i tried listening to the audiobook oh like a couple years ago and just was kind of bored by it but i'm hoping it's a narrative problem and now I have the ebook borrowed from the library. So I'm on a timer. And so far, I am enjoying it more. Did you ever read it, Peter? Um, no. Yeah, Peter, like this whole series won Hugo Awards. It's a trilogy. All three of them won Hugo Awards. I'm literally, I'm reading about it right now, actually. Yeah, it's, it's like people love this series so much. And I love the concept behind this series. It's like a way like future earth situation but like they don't really call it that as far as i know as far as i've gotten yeah yeah this is actually pretty sick i know it's really cool but for some reason i just haven't clicked with it so i'm trying again because sometimes you just sort of know you're wrong to not like something and this is one of those things you're like clearly i haven't given this enough of an effort yes exactly this is exactly. my fault this is on me yep Exactly. And huh. then I also started re-listening to Dune in honor of the upcoming movie because I'm really excited about it. And I don't remember that much about Dune other than enjoying it. So I went back through three, it about three journeys at once. six months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't feel the need to redo it before the show, before yeah, the show comes out. That's pretty recent. I think it's been like a year, two years since we, since we did it on this show. Yeah, before eight months ago, it had been the last time we did Dune. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to our episode about it and then uh, and watch the show. It'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. Because we do such a good job going through the plot in our That episodes. actually may have been long enough ago that we still did summaries. Yeah, but the sum. Mm, <laughs> I think I think that one did have summaries. I I think that you're right, but I don't think the summary counts as like it, the summary's kind of like reading the back of the book. I don't think the summary actually counts as like telling you what happened. Well, yeah, sure. Anyway. But anyway. It's also Dune, and there's infinite plot summaries of Dune. <laughs> yeah, you will not um, you will not lack for resources on reviewing that one. Precisely. Unlike Segway, these books, which are very new, and it's hard to find that kind of stuff for these. You were just complaining about it. Yeah, I was just telling Cece that I. So typically, the way I prepare for these episodes is oftentimes I, because of the nature of my life and how lazy I am. I will finish books way before Cece will, because I'd prefer to sit there and do nothing and listen to audio than do anything else. <laughs> yeah, and I have a baby to talk to now. That's true. Although, Cece, babies need to be talked to so they can hear English. They don't need to hear you talk. I have been wanting to know the answer to this question for a while. I'm like, do podcasts and audiobooks, are they as stimulating as parent <laughs> addressing them and talking to them? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> not because i don't love talking to my baby but the truth I do comes out to that stuff a lot <laughs> and i'm like does this all kind of stimulation 
when I'm like looking back at the day and seeing if I did a good enough job, like, should I judge myself well or, or poorly for listening to so many audio things? CC, solution. Put in headphones, listen to audiobook, repeat audiobook. I do actually, I read him like whatever book I'm reading. <laughs> Buckle up, kid. You're going to like fifth season, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Guess what? We are going on this journey together, Theo, and I don't care if there's sexually explicit content. <laughs> oh, sorry. You wanted to learn about the ABCs? No, fuck you. You don't. You barely have a personality. We're, we're listening to what I want to listen to. We're reading Tolstoy, Theo. <laughs> Tell your therapist about it if you have a problem. <laughs> I never really liked children's books. I, always, I basically immediately jumped into, you know, high fantasy and sci-fi. <laughs> Ah, can't that's really a, explain it yeah there's no there's no reasons for it whatsoever none <laughs> i spat on the baby books my mother tried to read me <laughs> i called them juvenile i didn't even know what that meant cc this is a great opportunity you know this is a great opportunity for what rereading lion the witch in the wardrobe and reading it out loud oh my god i was thinking about that and i was also pondering whether i would like listen to audiobooks with him like of of my favorite series for example harry potter which has the best narration of all time. That does have a very solid narration. It is the the best, actually. <laughs> Correction, it's the best. Oh, okay. Um, I see. No, but like, Jim Dale does such an amazing job. I'm like, I can't compete with that. Maybe we'll just listen to it together and do puzzles. <laughs> That's we'll adorable. See. That's I have so several, several years to decide. I think so. Oh, my anyway. God. <laughs> I'm personally Until 20 years from now, Theo's like, my mother never read to me. And she met other people. She just bought audiobooks. There are elements of dystopian, like, robot maids going on here. You know, like, you, you yes. have a, a robot maid that raises your child for you and you barely see them. But if I'm there, too, it's probably mm. okay. Yeah, but are you there or are you sitting in the corner reading a newspaper with it high up so they don't really remember what you look like? Taking my medicine. When they think of their mother, they think of their maid. Yeah. You know. <laughs> They they think of Jim Dale, <laughs> the iPad that has Audible on it. <clears throat> That's such an interesting combination, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> it's basically raised by Audible. God, one day CC, he's gonna jump. He's gonna be in your Audible account, and we're gonna be like, finally, he's an adult. Welcome, child. Welcome. This is Welcome the to the ever growing expanse yeah. of people using my audio. Welcome to the Collins family Audible account. <laughs> Here is my email and password. Go. <laughs> okay. Amazon just needs to lean into it and make it like Netflix accounts. But anyway. I mean that'd be sick. I would even be willing to pay extra for that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Like an extra two bucks a month or whatever. What imagine here here's my pitch. Someone call Bezos. During listeners, we'll get there, okay? We'll, we'll get to this. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's been 11 minutes. Anyway, Some, go on. My theory is somewhere someone is listening to this on their Echo Dot, and so Bezos will hear what we're saying. <laughs> That's, Peter, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're acting like Bezos isn't listening to me through my Fitbit, even though I have the microphone disabled. That's true. I, I am nice and far away from my smart devices, except for my phone, which Google is listening in on. So Bezos better move quick, otherwise uh, Google's going to take this idea. Yeah, Google audiobooks, which probably exists, but I haven't checked. <laughs> uh, Google has recently transitioned to a new podcast platform. Uh, is it recent? Or did they just change the one that they already had? They are migrating that to a new platform, and I have to voluntarily migrate Oh, good, because Google podcasts. podcasts sucked. Yeah, so they're starting a new one. Yay! Uh, which is a Maybe classic Google move. move. In two years, no, don't bother. In two years, it'll be gone. That's true. 
That is the Maybe Google I'll MO. Maybe make the jump to Spotify or something. They're probably gonna get. They're probably getting ready to abandon uh, Stadia like already. They're like, well, it's had a good run. Eight months. All right, time to cancel it. They canceled What's the Pixel. Stadia. Four. It's Google Street uh, game streaming platform that they marketed as the Netflix of game streaming, but actually you had to pay for an account then pay for games. Wow, that's not like Netflix at all. Right. So like the way it was presented was very much awesome, and also Netflix. like. The idea was you were going to be able to, uh, your controller was going to link directly to your Wi-Fi and not have to deal with, like, going through your phone or something, so the latency would be lower. All these great ideas. They're still working on implementing features that were supposed to be there at launch. Whoops. It's pretty terrible. Anyway. Did you say they stopped doing the Pixel? Pixel 4 is discontinued. Yeah. Are they going to make a Pixel 5, or is it just over? They're not doing that anymore. Pixel 5 is coming out next year. No, Pixel Uh, 4 was discontinued, like, two days after they announced, they released the Pixel 4a. Oh. But the Pixel 5 slated for, I think, end of this year, early next year. Okay. But, like, eight months. Eight months is how long the Pixel 4 lasted. <laughs> Had a good run, also. Yeah, real good. Nice job. Anyway. Anyway, now now it's been 13 minutes. So. Oh, so this is my, oh, no, no, no. This is my theory for Jeff Bezos. You have, <laughs> okay. So you have an Audible account, right? And how much uh-huh. is an Audible account a month? Uh, $15 or okay. 16 I forget. You, like, you can add a user to your account... Mm-hmm. For like half price of a of a monthly subscription. No, nah, that's too much. Yeah, but like you know, it's not like you're paying that. Like the people you're adding on to join your collective library would pay that. There you go. Like I think that's the idea. So kind of like how you get like those Spotify family plans. Yeah, for sure. This is my theory. Yeah, anyway. I like that. I mean, anyway, the family plan though is I think you just pay like a slightly higher amount and then you could have up to like X number of people. Whatever. Yeah, or you get the four, it, maybe Netflix. I think is like you get four screens if you get the family plan yeah exactly something like that i was so bad when i'm using someone else's netflix and i max out the screen count i'm like ooh, i do feel bad about this one yes <laughs> i feel the pain now wait la- okay this is comes. for sure the last thing our little sister <laughs> oh my God. used to text people angrily because our siblings were bad about see this is gonna be a long one we're doing two books so might as well lean into it you're definitely going to hear my baby later on, guys. Just Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oof. Um, <laughs> no, so our little sister used to text all the siblings angrily if she hit the screen count from our parents' <laughs> Netflix because we all used to use it. I got off it a long time ago. I started using our brothers. Same. But, like, Stasia I, and Morgan were both I using it. I have my own Netflix account. Thank you. Wow. No, I either use Xavier's or I use Maria's. <laughs> Because Maria remembered the password to hers, so she set it up on the living room TV. The best part, though, was the adult siblings with children who were mad at, at our younger sister for being mad at them. Well, I think the anger there was, it's mom and dad's Netflix, what the hell? Like, they can be mad at me, you don't get to be mad at me, which is a, a common theme. Yeah, but Netflix is our household assets, in my opinion. I mean, sure... But also, they're whoever the person cares about to share it with. And I think if there's infighting among the people that it's shared with, they should all get cut off. <laughs> exactly. That should be it's the... Very, um, well, play nice or play not at all. Exactly. That's If anything, that's the role of parents. Make everyone mad at you. Yes. <laughs> Turn your children against you Don't play favorites. Play least favorites <laughs> no that's not quite right either we'll, okay we'll, no, we'll, that's, that's not the thing we'll workshop and come back next month uh, yeah anyway uh, we're, we're a little rusty guys 
Hence Evidently. It's taking us 16 entire minutes to get to the actual two books that we have to cover. <laughs> Which, by the way, Peter, you promised me that they were thematically similar, and I would strongly disagree with that. I mean, okay. I think, like, the, I think I, the second book serves at this, as the completion of the journeys started in the first book that followed the same themes. I mean, yeah, but that's how sequels work. That's how good sequels work, Cece. I guess? I mean, yeah, I guess not all sequels continue the journeys of the initial book, but most sequels do, typically. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there are some themes carried in, like, kind of the nature of humanity and society as a whole, and, like, the worthiness of humanity. But right. um, it, I, would, I would argue that the first book was much more about, like, the corrupting influence of social media and, like power dynamics and fame and the second book was more i guess if second first of all it felt more like a sci-fi book to me the second book yeah i would agree um just because of obviously the um alta space and all that but i think that that one is much more about like i mean i guess Sorry, I'm working through this now for the first time. I guess both books dealt with how technology affects humans when it's evolving so much faster than humans can evolve. Right. So that that I would say ties it together well. That was kind of the overarching theme I saw. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, the first book setting it up with technology that we are currently living with and, and failing to cope with as a society. And the second one being like, okay, now we're going to throw a whole new one in the mix and see how that goes. Right, exactly. And it was uh, mm, heroin. No, not heroin. Heroin is not the right word. It was a bit scary, though, seeing the extreme of like of the social media culture that we're in in the first book. Uh, yeah, definitely. Daunting was the word I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's it was... I'm not really on Twitter. Like, I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it ever. Like, nobody... Right. I, <laughs> I have it to follow, like, people whose tweets I want to read. Nobody in my life is connected to me on Twitter. Just because I don't... I'm not really interested in the medium personally. But, um... So, for me, like, seeing the perspective of somebody who's, like, Twitter famous... Um, was definitely a new thing and i can so like to to reference a different piece of media schitt's creek calls social media the playground for narcissists or clinical narcissists moira rose says that and i've always thought that that was hilarious and kind of true the playground for clinical narcissists yep like obviously that's not literally the case but it definitely twitter especially like twitter and instagram particularly I feel like really just fan the flames of narcissism and like insecurity and all all sorts of like social I guess misunderstandings because I can't find the right word but basically the idea that like what I have to say and show and do is going to be important to people so I'm going to like advertise that and if people don't engage with it then that means that i am not valued or valuable right the great fallacy of social media right like therefore now i feel bad about myself it's all really tied together um and also like the idea of replacing uh the love of people in your life 
like actual real people that you know with the love of like faceless millions on social media is a really toxic thing to do as as april learned to her uh to her detriment in the first book yeah we very we see very regularly moments where april may is having these like internal dialogues of it's weird i like used to love my friends above all else but now i see like these countless millions of the as the people that really matter and that's it seems like at first she's kind of caught off guard by that conception yeah. And then she really accepts it as the book goes on. Yeah, she's like, yeah, this is me now. <laughs> yeah, this is April May. What's up? Well, it's just, I think it's because of her perspective as she narrates it, um, which is obviously coming from a much healthier headspace. So it's it's an interesting way of making an unlikable narrator likable because most of the stuff April does in the first book makes me really mad at her. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really was, annoys me. I really and, enjoyed this this point of view that Hank Green chose. Yeah, and so, like, the sort of self-critical but also self-accepting narration of April of the future, talking about what April did back then, is, is like, I feel like really redeems the character. Because if it wasn't narrated like that, April would be really, really, really hard to like. I still don't like her. <laughs> it's fair, and I don't blame you. I really enjoy the parts where she's just like, yeah, listen, what happens next, it's not great. Okay, it's not cool. All I can say is I learned from it and now I know better. But like this right here, not cool. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, April was a really young person who was handed a lot of power really early. And she was sort of smart enough to use the power, but not like any, like not mature enough to be aware of how it used her. And so she's telling this story and is like, yeah, I mean, that did suck. I feel really bad about it. And like, in some cases, I don't even have an excuse for it. But you, like you said, I've learned from it. And now like, it is what happened. So I have to include it in the story. It's it's like, it's really how we should all look back at our lives. Because we all do stupid things that embarrass us or like make us feel ashamed of ourselves. And as we get older, sometimes that shame almost gets like, increased because you like are so far removed from the person that you were when you did that thing so i feel like take an april may perspective be like okay not proud of that but i'm not gonna do it again so (laughs) let's move forward shall we (laughs) yeah that's that's a very good point i I do i do like that a lot about the books though yeah i think it was a brilliant move by hank green yeah, there's a, there's so much self awareness um, in that book and in the second book among like all of the narrators. And this is an aspect of writing that I never really thought of before I before I went through these two books. Mm. Was the aspect of how important the point of view is. Yeah, like it's always been like, oh, interesting, the book is doing this, or interesting, the book is doing this. Most often, I feel like um, books are told from the point of view and what, what's the. What particular phrase is used? The point of view of the omnipotent observer? Uh, omniscient observer? Yeah. Uh, it's like first person omniscient or... or it's Honestly, it's not always um, omniscient. I feel like usually it's, it's just first person. That's true. I mean, there's plenty of that too. Yeah. So that's like a typical point of view though. And while this is still first person, it is a first person with a, of, from the future with a reflective attitude. Yeah, it's like inhabiting April 
of I guess whatever like 2022 or whatever and looking back at April of 2016 ish and talking about that story and I, I think that most books are very much like in the present unless they have like a frame around them mm-hmm. like a frame narration but this doesn't have that it's just like you are being told the story by an older version of that character. And I don't think I've ever read a book where that is like so felt where it doesn't have a frame. Right. So felt and so critical to the telling of the story. Yeah, definitely. And again, like the redemption of the protagonist, because again, not a very likable character does a lot of shitty things. This is clearly Hank Green's deliberate action, not just the point of view he felt was most appropriate. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that it's a very, I think it's a very compassionate way of, um, way of handling the character. Absolutely. So that's April May dissected. All right, moving on. (laughs) To the best of our abilities. Very shallowly. (laughs) Pretty much focusing on one thing. (laughs) Nice. She is not multidimensional or a fully realized creation. No, she is a fully realized creation. That's that's Hank's whole point, Peter. That's Hank's whole point. I actually, you know, we're going back to April. I thought it was (laughs) really, one of my favorite parts of this book that I felt like was the most powerful and perceptible shift in the book was when April and Andy sat down that night and decided who April May was going to be. Yeah, that was really interesting for me. Yeah, I mean, this group of advertisers, basically. Marketers. Right, marketers that just know people. Where able to come up with this persona that would be appealing to as many people as possible that would properly balance how to play this part would be a very i think the idea was it would be a very middle of the road until she kind of shifted to a political stance Mm. it was going to be a very middle of the road generally hey carls are cool kind of position kind of like inoffensive right and the shift of april may to that was immediate and uh, unnerving yeah and it's interesting too because i think that i mean everyone knows that the the we that we represent on social media is not a true and accurate version of us like everybody even a a casual social media user like you're not going to show every minute of your life why would you why would you be like oh you know i didn't lose as much weight this week as i had hoped to or like whatever (laughs) or even just today kind of sucked and like i don't really have a reason to just it like people don't show all of themselves on social media it would be way boring if they did and nobody would enjoy it so like everyone whether intentionally or not presents a curated version of themselves but in this scenario it's like such a choice you can see the the machinations happening She's going into it from the beginning with like, I am going to curate this persona and I'm going to curate it to have these qualities. This is what it's going to be. Um, so that, that was really interesting to me and they did it with so much success. I also enjoyed that the main characters of both of these books, one of them is a scientist. The rest of them are artists, um, realistically. And I, I thought that was, it was a very different uh, cast from what you would normally see in a first contact novel. You yes. know what I mean? So, I'm sorry, I wasn't sure if you had an and there. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was one of the things I wanted to talk about the this portrayal of first contact. Yeah, definitely. You know, so often we're imagining we landed on a strange new planet or a ship appeared in the sky, and mm. 
you know, they came down with their their super size, like their weird sizes or body shapes or whatever, and we like figured out how to communicate through language because we can't imagine someone that doesn't use language. <laughs> right, exactly. Or spoken language, at least. Right. So, it's just such a, it's not a wholly unique take, but it's, sure. it is, it, it, it becomes unique when you throw in, like you said, the fact that the vast majority of the leading cast are artists and, generally speaking, the creatives, cre- right, creative not scientists, types, which I don't think is an invalid point. I think there's no, not at all. I think in a real first contact scenario, you'd, I mean, you'd want everyone, right? Like you'd want every possible slice of education you can get and experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To give you your best shot of trying to interpret what the hell they're saying or thinking or doing. Right. Yeah, um, that's definitely true. And like, I think that most novels of that genre include like some sort of a setup where like, oh, the government has this secret, like it has a secret contact thing that happened and now we're going to assemble a team or, um, you know, a scientist is sent to investigate something unusual or something to that effect. So like you always kind of start out with a technical perspective and it's like, okay, we need like biologists and linguists and all of that, like anthropologists, etc. But it, because of the way that this happened, and the way April and by proxy humanity just sort of stumbled into first contact, that that choice was in fact kind of made by April. <laughs> like she didn't try to assemble a team and that's how she met Miranda. Like Miranda just reached out, but it, it was basically like, okay, well, April's involved because she was kind of the discoverer and therefore like the people that she hangs out with the most became involved. <laughs> Um, so I, it's probably in some ways more realistic, at least for this type of scenario where it just sort of not there one day, they're the next, um, type of just like drops into humanity contact. That sentence made no sense. And I apologize to everyone who had to hear it. No, I kind of get you. (laughs) Thank you. One thing I think Linguistically, it was a disaster. Well, Sure. But fortunately, our dad doesn't listen to this podcast, so... Thank God. He'd be so ashamed. <laughs> Just generally dangling participles everywhere and all that. All of it. All of it. Um, so I think one part of the second book that really contributes to that kind of mentality that you were just kind of describing, I think... Pretty sure that's what you said. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what you heard, anyway. It's what I interpreted. <laughs> is when Carl is telling April May about how he chose her yes that was kind of what i was thinking of yes and and in the end initially it seemed like oh carl chose you okay you're like the chosen one or whatever but by the end of the because you are special right which is definitely what april kind of believed throughout the whole first book and it's interesting that in the first book that is right you're right the mindset that we got as april is so consumed by social media and the you know social media let's be clear it can be a very powerful very positive tool like any tool, like any development, it can be horribly misused. Oh my god, yeah. And usually is. Right, and so when we're sitting here criticizing it, we're talking about the people that that becomes their identity. Right. We're not talking about, like, fa- we're not saying Facebook, well, Facebook is evil, but that's like a business practice thing and not like a the, <laughs> the website thing. Exactly. Um, 
So they're like, definitely they're basically as close as it gets to selling your soul. But anyway, <laughs> yes, correct. But social media in general is not inherently evil, but just the people that throw themselves mind and body into it, and that becomes their lives. That is where the the villainy of social media comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to be clear. And in many ways. I mean, there is the impact of, like, you see influencers and their perfect lives, and you're like, why isn't my life perfect? And then you feel bad about yourself, and then you're depressed, et cetera, et cetera. There's that. But it's also, as we see in this book, like, really consuming for the person who's doing that to themselves, too. Right. It's bad all around. Right. And, like, all of that attention also comes with a lot of negative attention. And April even says in the second book, she's like, I, I have, like maya's love i have all this good stuff in my life and yet like I, I was literally just told that i'm like basically humanity's last best hope and yet i'm reading twitter trolls and feeling bad about myself and like getting sad that was <laughs> like, a very good scene yeah it was really interesting and again like there's that self-awareness of just like I know that I am doing good for humanity and that like I will have a good legacy and that doesn't even really matter because I have all these people in my life who I love and who love me. But strangers on the internet still have power over me. Even though I'm like literally made of alien material now, like I, you should have transcended that very basic human weakness and yet you don't. Carl even messed with her brain and she still had this shortcoming, you know? Right. And I, I don't even want to call it a shortcoming because it's something that all of us have. Like if somebody is saying terrible things about us, I don't know a person in the world who wouldn't take it to heart. Like, you can dismiss it, maybe, but you would at least feel that initial sting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the way Carl was talking about the choice of April, where it's like, uh, no, I mean, you weren't special. <laughs> right, you, you just led to positive results. There's nothing special about you, but you being involved led to positive results. Right. And in fact, it wasn't like specifically because of the things that you did. It's like the fact that you were involved and that your friends were involved and like all of these people who, you know, maybe even could have been involved without you. Like it's all of these elements that happened to occur in the version of the story where you were the one to find me. That is what made this successful. Sure, you had a part, but so did a lot, a lot, a lot of other people. And I feel like that really comes together in that final scene, um, or close to final scene, I forget if it's the actual final scene, but where um, Maya and April like host all these people to dinner, thanks I to Carl that Carl scene. invited. Um, and they're all like, there's a lot of people that they know, a lot of people they know like only super casually, and then a lot of people that they've never met before who played a part that they didn't even realize was played. Like, I just thought it was such a such a great um i guess representation of like collaboration and um i how how effective humans are when they work together towards a goal even when they don't know that they're working together towards it i really liked it right and now you've brought up the overarching like the the major battle of at least the first book but really i mean really just the first book mm -hmm. but the idea of collaboration versus division yeah definitely which is like for fans of hank green or john green they talk about collaboration a lot so it's not super surprising that hank would <laughs> center his book around 
the power of collaboration. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, it's an important message. I'm glad right. they talk about it a lot. And it, it also shows the positive power of that social media can have. Like what? Right. Is, oh, what is that website they made? The the Psalm. The Psalm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird name. Um, like somnolent, like sleep. Oh, is that what it was? I think so. Oh, all right. Fine name. I was thinking religious psalms. Oh, like psalm. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) that has weird undertones. Okay, Hank Green. That's surprising. He's very much an atheist. Not what I expected from you, Hank. Thank you. (laughs) Psalm. S-O-M. Oh. The first time I read this book, All I read right. it in paper. So that's pretty back awesome, to that original actually. conversation. Totally into that then. Yeah, it's cool. Cool name. Take it Carry back, on. Hank. So the sum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hold on, I need to internalize this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're just going to talk about how weird it is that he went with such a religious theme. Yeah, now is my next 10 minutes. Thanks, Cece. <laughs> Blown away. We can definitely afford to take 10 minutes off this podcast. <laughs> Cece, they've missed us for so long. Our fans need us. <laughs> they need a three-hour podcast. So, the psalm, now that I know it's actually, like, called and spelled. <laughs> Helps. I, yeah. Well, so I think it's, it plays foil to, and April May is, uh, I almost said Andy May. It's going to be a really weird gender bender fan fiction <laughs> that I just created by accident. <laughs> or the one where Andy marries April and takes her name. <laughs> that is what would happen <laughs> pretty much <laughs> um no so i i like that the psalm plays foil to april may's social media empire right so like it is a thing that they created she had very little part in it but it was created by her you know crack team of experts <laughs> by her peeps yeah by her squad mm-hmm. by the way squad goals serious squad goals right i want to like make first contact with someone with my squad <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and have the exact right set of skills to uh yeah weirdly specific <laughs> you had to get one other person but like turns out she was like quirky and fun yeah exactly like, perfect. and she, cool. she fits in great she's hilarious yeah perfect <laughs> um no so it, it shows that because it's essentially a social media platform right like it's it's reddit for problem solving yeah Basically. It's like if r slash investigation was its own website. It was, like, custom made to that purpose. Right, exactly. It we weren't just, like, trying to use Reddit's tools. It was, like, we're building a website from the ground up for right. this. And it's interesting because Carl, or April and her people represented the dream as, like, a test. Like, could humanity work together well enough to solve this? But it it kind of seems like to Carl, it was more of just like an exercise that humanity needed to go through. Like knowing what we know now, having read the second book about the way that like this just happens to be the version of what happens where um, humanity is successful in saving itself. It, 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 it makes it kind of it's like an interesting twist because it being a test made so much sense. Do you know what I mean? I think it still is a test. Yeah. Like it this Carl this book is essentially Carl was sent to save humanity from a singularity. Right. And which know, by the way, big singularity trap vibes between the, both of these books. Yeah, it's like if if the nanobots and singularity trap came to 
help humanity and not just see if humanity is good enough. Not just check. Yeah. Yeah. Checking in real quick. No? Okay, cool. Outpost. <laughs> the, the, the fact that... The, those, those guys were Carl's brother. Yeah. Dicks. In other words. Carl's brother, I wish they had named Richard. I think that would have been really funny. What? If they had named Carl's brother Richard. Why? Because then he's Dick. Ah. It's, it, I could have seen that being like a... That seems like a... Not necessarily Hank Green, but like intelligent author that's not writing an illicit book, but does want to make it clear that he hates this person. <laughs> I could see it. I a powerful see it. move by Hank Green that he never did. <laughs> that he just missed the opportunity. Yeah, I'll email him and so it can get out in the second revision. Yeah, you better. Or send an angry tweet about it even better. Oh, angry tweet. Perfect. I'll make a Twitter for this. <laughs> we'll create that. He's like, who's this asshole with no followers? <laughs> I don't care what he thinks. I do a little bit though, secretly. <laughs> Just like April. Just like April. I haven't changed at all. <laughs> right, so the 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 real point of the test, I think, is to show humanity that things can be accomplished, mysteries can be unearthed, if you work together. Yeah. And that's what's, I mean, that's a, a big issue with today. We see in our mm-hmm. own culture how divisive, uh, I mean, I don't know how the rest of the world is doing. I'm pretty sure can, I can barely focus on my own country right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so I, I don't even like reading the news about my own country. Oh, I hate it. Let alone other countries. I read other countries. worse about myself. I pretty much, England. as a rule, make read other countries' news about us. <laughs> that's a good call. Yeah. I've started only reading the Associated Press. Mm, that's not a bad pick. Um, yeah. As they go. Yeah. So, anyway. So, like, the... I mean, so what, what we are seeing in America, and I imagine to some extent everywhere else, is a high level of devices, divisiveness... And polarization of everyone's beliefs. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's coming to the point where if you're in the middle, you are actually wrong. Despite, like, regardless of which side of the middle you fall on. Yeah. The people on one side will think you're too far the other way and vice versa. Right. And you get lumped in and you can, you lose. And then, I mean, It's really, basically a false binary. Every issue exactly. should be, like, on a spectrum and, and it, there's really no room for that anymore. Exactly. The the party line is one of the things I hate so much. Right. Like that, and it's definitely the whole only gotten worse in like the last ten years. Yeah, it, it's just it's gone downhill. Yeah. But the you know, the the Carls and the point the theme of the first book is so so against that. The idea that humans actually work better together and not just with their own class or with their own race mm-hmm. or with their own sexual orientation. Right. The what I enjoyed so much about the dream was the fact that it was like there were these completely, like, very very unlikely to overlap, very 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 different skill sets that needed to be combined in order to solve a puzzle. That was such a wonderful addition to it. I know, it like warmed me. You know, yeah. so deliberate by Carl to force you know a mathematician in Egypt to talk to a linguist in Canada or something. Right. Exactly. Like, dude. <laughs> Like, no no person realistically will have both of these skill sets. Like, they will have to work with somebody else. Right. And, and an employee of Arby's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like so one of those specific. jokes, like a, a rabbi, a, a pastor, and a... Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was basically the whole dream. Yeah. Walking to a bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole dream over was and that. over and over and over again. But, like, good and not just based on religious or racial stereotypes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It also started off easy, right? Like, it started off with, like, here are some basic puzzles that everyone can solve, eventually. 
and then it got progressively harder. So I think it was interesting that that was introduced later. I mean, I'm sure it was in there from the start. But, like, the idea the was there was a... Pro- yeah, there was a progression of puzzles to show people that you can do it. But, like, look at these bitch-ass puzzles you can solve by yourself. Look at this cool-ass puzzle you can solve with your Muslim friend. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to, uh... You want to do that, or... You want to do one of the cool puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to do the badass puzzles. <laughs> it's, like, so awesome. I want to dream so badly. <laughs> I... I really, really loved... This made me rekindle my interest in learning how to lucid dream. Um, mm. I really loved the beginning of the second book, talking about the world after the dream. Yeah. What oh, my God, yeah. interesting aspects of the dream that I found was one of... I, I would say a con- leading cause of all this crap in society today... Is a lack of shared experiences. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, one person can't understand the other person's, you know, just take, like, like two races. Like, you can't understand what it was like to grow up in that with that over your head, and you don't know what could happen just because of the color of your skin. Right, you could grow up in the same zip code and have a totally different perspective on life just because of that, that right. one thing. Just because if you're white or you're black or you're gay or you're straight, like, that can completely change your outlook and your treatment Mm -hmm. and so it was interesting that everyone now had this shared experience everyone in the world got the dream and everyone approached it with their own perspective but with the same goal exactly i mean some people i'm sure just screwed around in the dream but like a lot but i think everyone basically was like at least casually trying to figure stuff out well, everyone explore. on the sum, it was you were either pretty much a defender or like you would probably at least casually be messing around, like trying to solve stuff. Yeah, casually messing around, going for like walks in this weird city. Like, yeah, that seems pretty cool. Super cool. And the so I think the the giving of that shared experience is important. I also love that in the second book, they talked about how everyone got like really into puzzles after that i know oh my god how much do you want those uh reality games in real life i hike you want reality games in real life hank green starts so many businesses when will he start that does he is he known for starting businesses he starts a lot of businesses that's hilarious yeah i want some hank green if you're listening i want some reality games one of his first things was 2d glasses so that if you have to go to a 3d movie you can make it 2d (laughs) if it bothers you that is spectacular i know <laughs> and so specific i know i think it was because they gave him headaches or something like that he's like screw it i'm starting a business <laughs> he's like i made these 2d glasses and people are into it so i guess i sell them now <laughs> he's like this is my Etsy shop <laughs> basically but yeah no reality games sound so cool and i've always been into puzzles so i <laughs> i'm into a world where everyone's into puzzles please bring it on it's like the puzzle equivalent of Pokemon Go. It's like, now you can go do puzzles in the real world. Sadly, that is what it would be. It would be like an AR AR game. Honestly, I'd be into that. AR is getting better and better. I mean, true. Like, I don't hate AR, and it does make me walk when I happen to be into an AR game, which I'm currently not. But um, when I am, it's good. It yeah, just for those gets six you a little minutes, exercise. I was into Pokemon Go. Yeah, I go on Pokey Crawls. Pokey Crawls. Pokecrawling was awesome. Pokey I went crawls. to so many parks I had never been to before. I know. I got chased <laughs> out of parks by cops. 
did you actually? Chase, that's a strong word, but they followed us out of there. But they made sure you left. Yeah, they confronted us and followed us out at a distance. <laughs> were they cops or park rangers? No, cops. Delightful. They were straight up police officers. <laughs> you rebel, you. I think it was Rocco and I. That sounds right. Or Liam and I. Anyway. Um, <laughs> this is not relevant to it our It was still funny. <laughs> oh, awesome. you know what? It was Billy and I. Anyway, sorry. I'm just happy I solved this. Speaking of puzzles, you can find them in your everyday life now. <laughs> if you have bad memory, everything's if you a puzzle. Have bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find your watch? Now it's a scavenger that's, hunt. That's my new motto. Because <laughs> I have a terrible memory. <laughs> everything's a puzzle when you have bad memory. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Next oh, time God. Albert makes fun of you for uh, for like losing something, because I'm sure like, he does. It's just a puzzle that past me left for current me, and a little a little gift for future of me. <laughs> Usually past me just leaves me problems. Now let me a puzzle. This is fun. This is a, such a healthier perspective. <laughs> is it healthier? It's a happier perspective. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh my god. Talk about embracing your shortcomings. Anyway. Oh, that's really funny. And rebranding. <laughs> embracing and rebranding your shortcomings. Oh lord. Alright. But I, I do I do really like your point though about like the unit unifying effect of a shared experience. I think that you're right. That makes a lot of sense that like that whether or not Carl was testing to see if humanity could collaborate, he was showing humanity that they could collaborate. Yeah, and now like you know And how good it feels. Imagine sitting on, like, you know, I, I haven't ridden a bus in a while, but I used to sit on a bus and look at the people around me, and I often have those moments where I look at people around me and only see them as themselves right now, but then I have, a, like, a, a real moment of vertigo where I think about them and their entire lives, like, the, yeah. the whole person they encompass. You know, they have their friends, they have their hopes, their dreams, their, their lost friends, their, like, broken hearts. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's a moment of like, I just want to like sit down with that person and get their life story. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know why. I but, get that a lot when I'm like in traffic. I'm like, there are so many people around me and they know so many people. And like, they have these entire lives, like you just said, that I will never know anything about. Like, we will probably never cross paths. But, you know, there's a possibility there's somebody I know that they know. And I, I will never find that out. It's very mind-boggling when you think about it. Yeah. It's it's very trippy. Yeah. But, like, imagine if, if you had this tool that would help you to find other people. And, like, this person who you otherwise would have nothing in common with, you get together and you solve this problem. It must, like, it must feel so good. That's what I keep thinking of. Like, the dream experience had to have been so gratifying. Right, and th- I'm even thinking about, like, I'm on a bus, and I'm sitting next to someone, and, like, we're just awkwardly sitting there in silence. I could be like, hey, what'd you do in the dream? Like, yeah, the fact that you exactly. have a 100% guarantee of having something in common with everyone around you. That's totally true, yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Because, like, yeah, you can make small talk now, like, you, but it's, honestly, it's mostly about how terrible everything is. Yeah, it's, ever, it's about, hey, how's your life bad now? Oh, mine too. <laughs> my life is similarly bad. That's that also stresses thing. me out tremendously. <laughs> Glad we have that in common. Anyway, a, bye. I feel worse now. It's a quick check with the people around you to make sure everyone else is also feeling terrible. <laughs> We're all miserable, miserable, miserable. Uh, hey, raise your hand if you are miserable. Okay, that's one, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's everyone. Hands down. 
Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, not to be really idealistic, you would very possibly run into somebody who happens to be a defender and they'd be like, I don't poison my brain with that shit. And that sort of a thing. But realistically, you probably wouldn't. I think that they seemed like a loud minority. I mean, yeah. And also that is very telling of kind of the world today. Oh my God, for sure. Like the vast majority of people are I'm aware of a mask that stops me from having oxygen. (laughs) Right, exactly. And like, I think the overwhelming majority of people are moderates. Oh yeah. The problem is you get hooked into this extremist group and now there's no, and because of the extremist group so vocal, there's no really, really moderate you know, policies or people you can try to push forward and now you're stuck. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real problem. It's a very polarizing, polarizing situation. But, you know, I think that statistically you would still be more likely to run into somebody, somebody else who's like, yeah, you know, I'm having a rough time with it too, but like w- would have, if not the same exact opinions, cause you'll never find that, but like we'll have a similarly calm, <laughs> non-polarized way of looking at things. Yeah, absolutely. But so I wanted to talk about the Defenders. Okay. One of the reasons I like them so much is like is sort of the antagonist of this book is because they have a point. Yes, like, yes, yes. April, April is so, she is so idealistic and like I respect it. She, she has like so much hope and faith in like the goodness of Carl's and so much certainty in it and is willing to like literally die. On that mountain. Yeah. And yeah, the well, defenders and like die. Peter Petrowicki are dicks in the way they act and the way they talk. But they have a point. <laughs> That's the worst part. They have stained the mo- be a moderate. Like, cause yeah. let's be real. The moderate position's probably, oh, that's weird. I guess let's see how it goes. Yeah, like uh, I, boy, boy, I hope this is good, but I'm not sure it's good. Yeah, I'm not saying let's roll tanks on the Carls. I'm saying let's like, you know, take one step forward instead of a full leap. Right. Maybe the government should be involved. Maybe like we need to t- take our time and not like April does so many stupid things. She is lucky that Carl was a benign entity. Yeah, the government because has if a lot he of smart wasn't, people. she would have like single handedly destroyed everything. <laughs> right, especially because. April May is in the United States. The United States government, despite its many flaws, has access to a literally unimaginable wealth of resources, both financial and just human expertise. Intellectual, yeah. Yeah, definitely. intellectual, exactly. Like, it is, and also, seems like she has a pretty chill president. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like you have a president who, like... Her president's awesome. Yeah, it's not like you have a president who, like, you have strong opposition to, and you're like, no, they cannot control this. Which, like... Yeah. All right, that's bad, too, but I get it. Y- yeah, I mean, but, like, look at... Look at dear, blessed St. Tony Fauci. He <laughs> has had to work <laughs> with a president who I... I I hate to make assumptions for other people's point of views, but I don't think that Anthony Fauci and Donald Trump see eye to eye on most things, but (laughs) at least medical things, at least medical things. Uh, However, he is willing to put that aside because he feels that he has a greater duty to the safety of the American people and the well-being of the American people. So no matter how much bullshit, disrespect, competitiveness, pettiness, and just like general attempts at undermining him, he has to deal with. 
he will still like continue to apply his best efforts to solving the problem that we're living with right now. And that's all we can ask of anybody, right? Like all we can it ask It is literally anybody, the most that we can ask of anybody. <laughs> do your best and, you know, act with the best possible information that you are able to gather because like it or not, you're in the hot seat. Yeah, definitely. But like he could also resign. He could say, I'm not working with this man. It's a hopeless cause, et cetera, et cetera. But he doesn't. Bless him. Hasn't yet, anyway. Yes, well. But, yes. That is not the situation that, that April was in, and yet she still didn't do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, she, like, is kind of becomes boys with her president. <laughs> like, Yeah, pretty it's sure. awesome. She gets her personal number. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I realize she didn't have a personal number then, but, like, you can, you can know with confidence that in all likelihood you're looking at first contact... The well, she didn't know when it started. Right. But she didn't do anything But she found out stupid. and then went to uh, her agent about it. Right. When she started doing truly stupid things was mostly after she knew it was an alien. Yeah. And so, or if she figured that was the most likely uh, case. And there are some things that I, I can see being explained why by getting caught up in the excitement. Like, I can kind of see her bringing, like, Americium to Carl and seeing what would happen. But once you knew that was what happened, I feel like you'd want to be like, okay, wait. Yeah, hold up. I should call somebody? Hold up. Do we have an agency for this? This is now something I'm interacting with in, like, an active way instead of just touching it, you know? Like, right. And going, maybe this feels weird. we need somebody who knows better involved. Yeah, and you can guarantee that the President of the United States was going to be personally involved oh for sure yeah like that was not getting la- like put off to some lackey who like you might disagree with like the that pers- was not for a rando staffer exactly she's at the very least going to get daily and perhaps twice daily briefings on the status and the person who is most responsible for the safety of the american people would exactly. want to be involved exactly and april's not making like peter <laughs> As much as he is a dick, makes a lot of really good points, including you are making decisions for all of humanity and not bothering to ask anyone how they feel about it. Yeah, I mean, that's what it frustrates me so much about the Defenders. They taint a very good, like, I think reasonable A reasonably cautious view. Yeah, I wouldn't say, let's go do terrorism because of it, because that's insane. No. Like, it's just, it's so aggravating because... This happens in our politics all the time, where yes. someone's like, oh, no, I'm being very reasonable. You're the crazy one, and then now they both do it. And, then, and they sh- do get crazier as a result. Yeah, exactly. And then neither of them are actually the reasonable one. They're both crazy, and everything's on fire. <laughs> and meanwhile, a lot of people are suffering, because exactly. nobody can come to a decision. Right. And that's what aggravates me Thank about you, the identity politics. Defenders movement. Oh, my God. So much. And the other, so so there is that point, which, like, also the president pretty much makes. She's like, okay, like, I'm not going to even talk about, like, all, all the things that you did that you really probably shouldn't have done. Um, but, like, let's focus on the fact that now in the future we can learn and, like, you'll at least talk to me before you do stuff. And April still doesn't learn. Oh, my God. I feel like the president represents that moderate view. And it's, like proper incarnation right well probably like i think she still would have done these things like um 
the president still would have like given the americium to carl and all that maybe I, just, I think so but i think the major difference is it would have been done after like deliberation and cautious like all right let's think about all possible outcomes there would have been like probably people on standby waiting yeah, it would have like, been fully observed. Like, everything that happened would have been recorded. That's true. That's interesting. I wonder what having, like, you know, equipment on whoever the first human to do it would be. Like, yeah. monitoring equipment. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even really know what kind of equipment you needed. But... I would have them generally wired. Yeah. Just, like, all sensors yeah, that every you can sensor apply I can easily right. put on the person. Yeah, they're, like, in an MRI and reach their hand out with the americium and touch the <laughs> Peter, that would have been so cool. <laughs> You're joking, but he did then edit her brain. He did actually. No, I, I, I yeah, that would have been perfect. That would she, have been the ideal situation. She's sitting in a cat scan, ready. <laughs> EKG, EKGs are brains, aren't they? Huh? EKG is like for the brain, isn't it? EKG. Uh, hold on, I'm having a brain fart. I feel really embarrassed right I now. I will move on. Uh, I'll get back to you. Okay, you're going to, like, spat it out later. <laughs> yeah, basically. Carry or on. you're going to Google it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's so aggravating, because it could have gotten so much cool data from that. E- which... EEG, I think. Electroencephalogram. Oh, it's EEG, that's right. If I recall correctly. And EKG is for the heart. Yes, yes. Although I don't know why it's not ECG. I had the same thought. I was like, okay. electrocardiogram. I, like, I know, that's cardio- what I and was like, through. wait like, a second. That's not a C. Cardio does <laughs> not start with EK. spell that. <laughs> I know we started I, off this episode by talking about how I can't spell, but, like, come on. At least we did cover how we have a bad memory before I just had that moment. <laughs> a little scavenger hunt. Thanks, Peter. Oh, yeah, I, you're welcome. I gave you a little, a little uh, puzzle there to find <laughs> a out. A little what... puzzle to spice up my night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to think about this all the time. Oh, my God, Peter. We've had an hour. We haven't even talked about the freaking uh, Altus okay, situation. Okay, okay. Second book, second book, second book. Second book. We have to um, put the second book, though. A little bit, yes. So, all this is fucking terrifying. Cece, you know what it reminded me of? What? Did you read the Pendragon books? So long ago. Like, middle school. Do you remember Reality Bug? Not enough. They, they had the... every The planet was... Not, okay. Guys, 30 second context. <laughs> the Pendragon series are all about, like, a series of worlds that are varying levels jumping. of technology... It's plane jumping. And the idea is that they're all coming to a pivotal point in their history where they'll turn one way or the other towards a positive future or towards total collapse. Oh my god, this is what's happening here. Precisely. Um, <laughs> exactly what's happening. No, this is now totally relevant now that I thought about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hank Green just knocked off Pendragon's reality bug. <laughs> no, it's not entirely false. The reality bug, he shows up to this place and finds out that everyone in the planet are in these pyramid-like structures, that everyone's in these little tubes, and they're going into, like, fantasy realities. Isn't that the Matrix? It's basically the Matrix, except everyone knows they're in it. Oh, okay. It's a human intentional thing. And there's, like, a small group of people that are not going, like, going into the machine Mm. to, like, take care of people, but it's very minimal, and, like, the society is on the brink of collapse. Oh, uh, that sounds bad. But this is the future I saw when I was reading this book. Oh, no, it totally is. Like, th- the most chilling part of it, I think, is when they were like, the economy is actually the bubble now. Like, Altus has created an entirely new 
reality and like why would people buy real goods go on vacations go to restaurants spend money on literally anything in the real world when they could just have all of those experiences in the altus space yeah i mean exactly like the one of the safest investments you can make if you are buying anything to gain value in the future is a u.s bond mm-hmm. treasury bonds are considered 100 percent reliable yeah like imagine if, the economy will always go up Right. In general, the economy always trends upwards. Mm-hmm. Imagine if that was no longer the case. Yeah. I mean, entire countries depend, their, like their economies are dependent on their investments in the U.S. economy. Yeah. It would be, like China. It, it's a mutually assured destruction with China, not through like military or nuclear means, but like if one of us managed to economically destroy the other, both countries would collapse. Yeah, definitely. And what I find interesting about it, too, is that he didn't have to include a cryptocurrency. That was they, very interesting. Yeah, like, I'm just thinking about it now, but, like, that was not a necessary component. They could have created this um, service without also owning the currency. And well, then, like, the economy still would have kind of been okay. Well, that was, I mean, A, first of all, the whole point of uh, Carl's brother. Was to have total control. I know. Right. But B yeah. was, I mean, Peter made some good points when he was bringing up the fact that, like, well, they can't touch us because we're not using their currency, we're not using their space, like, we are totally it's true. It made them... legally untouchable. Yeah, they could not be regulated. Right. The only way they're regulating us is if someone invaded this country. Yeah. Part of me was kind of hoping that's how it ended. <laughs> like, someone yeah. rolled up with, like, some re- like real country showed up with, like, one ship and was like, we, we are now we're occupying this country and like well shit i guess you are because we're a tiny island and have no standing forces <laughs> okay when they introduced the concept of Valverde, were you initially like oh i didn't know that country existed but it actually doesn't exist <laughs> it actually doesn't exist right yeah yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god i'm so embarrassed i've never even heard of Valverde. <laughs> i was picturing it as um i did have that moment for a little bit i was picturing it as the island in the incredibles Oh, Incredibles that's awesome. one. I love that. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> that's why I thought about it. Oh, man. It's honestly pretty similar to what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically. Yeah. It's... Basically a supervillain doing lots of technology in, in a very isolated area. To avoid regulation, went and found another <laughs> I- an island outside of major countries. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was, it was such an interesting... It was such an interesting, um, I guess, tool for the story because... I don't know about you, Peter, but, like, I felt myself wanting this, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you know me. I'm, like, pretty into VR. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're into, like, the crappy regular version of VR that we have. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, what reason, like what we can reasonably get on a reasonable amount of money is what I have. Right. And it's, like, still pretty cool and still very fun. But imagine it, it was all, like, it was just real. That's insane. Yeah, I know, if you were, like, fully, fully immersed. And, like, I thought that the way that they used it was so creative. Like, because your first thought with VR would be, like, a sort of online thing. Like, you're you're fully immersed, you're playing a video game. Yeah. Um, that sort of a thing. But I loved the idea of, like, oh, you're going to inhabit the brain of a native speaker of Mandarin. And therefore, you're going to learn Mandarin fluently in, like, a matter of weeks or you're going to, like, 
Peter, have you ever wanted to like know what it feels like to do Olympic level gymnastics? Because I have. Yeah. I know I'll never be able to do it physically, but I would love to know what it feels like. I've always wondered what it feels like. To do the spinny boys. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, that seems real fun. I could discover that using Altus. It's such an amazing, amazing tool. And like the way the way it was used, I, I personally have not seen that um, in fiction before. Yeah, I have just like having that experience. I have also person not. Fully. Oh, man, it was just it was so very good. I thought it was an interesting idea, the idea that people that have these expertise, like this expertise, could sell their experience. Yeah. Right, like, again, like social media, Altus Space could be so incredible for humanity. Oh my god, yeah. Like, the, I mean, um, Miranda was talking about, like, just the educational potential. Yeah. Like, imagine if college was, like, six months. <laughs> right. Like it would freaking, yeah. Like yeah. graduate level school would be. Yeah, like you are launching us into the future, right? So far. Yeah, absolutely. And it just uh, it's it's so frustrating that a, I, in this book you see it exploited for commercial and capitalist means. Right. And b, you know that that's a hundred percent which would happen in the real world. Absolutely. No doubt. <laughs> And you feel that conflict that Andy goes through where he's like, oh, no, but like we could still have it and, and we can make it work and we can make it good for humanity to which April and I are like, nah, we can't. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> like, yes, there are things about it that would make things better for humanity. However, <laughs> I see that as April still being blinded by her hatred of Peter. Do you think so? Do you think they shouldn't have destroyed it? I... I think in an ideal world they shouldn't have destroyed it. I think that they did the only thing they could have done at reason like that point. Like the the way and yeah. again, they didn't technically destroy it. They ruined it for whoever was online at that time. <laughs> they made it not fun anymore. Right. And so someone could build the software again for the people that weren't affected by that experience. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's kind of what Miranda's going on to do. She's looking at the source code, she's trying to figure out how it works so that I guess one day they could more responsibly approach this incredibly, incredibly powerful tool. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be, like, regulated to the extreme. Yeah. Like, this cannot, like, this is an over-the-counter drug. Uh, yeah, and I would think that it, it being available for, like, individual use, like, recreational use, just doesn't seem responsible socially. Because, like, honestly... It, it's hard to argue like what is the value of a real experience versus a like fully immersive virtual experience. If you can feel like, like you're having, um, if you could, if you have the opportunity to like ski a double black diamond slope without having to endanger yourself and without having to learn how to ski, like why wouldn't you do that? Versus, like, actually learning to do it yourself. I mean, you could argue very easily, like, oh, like, it's good for your body, it's good for your health, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, realistically, you're probably never going to get to that point. Um, and the danger's still there anyway. So why force somebody to do it in real life? Yeah, like, casually, I would like to know what it's like to do that. Or, like, casually, I'd like to know what it's like to, like, windsurf. Yeah. But, like... 
the now, and I, I get that this is a symptom of instant gratification culture. Mm. Like there are so many of these experiences, like a master playing piano, or a, a mm. you know, or an expert in in any number of things. This is the result of them spending years and decades honing their skill. Yeah, and that is their reward. And I get right. That. But also, it's like Tuesday night, and I think it would be pretty cool to know what it's like to like summit Mount Everest. Yeah. These are things that I'm never reasonably going to do. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. And and to your point earlier about shared experiences, I mean, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to simulate knowing what it's like to grow up as a black person, but you would be able to experience the inside of a black person's mind during an interaction like and this is what they're talking about you can make it you could use it there are ways that you could use altus to improve human empathy and connection Mm -hmm. but that's just not who would do (laughs) like even something like i think that one of the the most powerful experiences someone like us you know comes from a fairly privileged white background Mm. is like just being pulled over as a black person yeah like absolutely being, like being you a, get a ghost of that reading the actual experience of yeah, that exactly. happening this, I'm in not the book to, i'm not trying to insinuate that this would remotely be like and now black, white people would understand racial, understand racial <laughs> tensions yeah. yeah understand what it's like to be a minority in america it's now solved. i get the whole thing i yeah i have no questions i now can speak for you as if i'm one of you <laughs> oh god but you're you're right. Go on. Again, filled with fear about what would actually happen. Um, <laughs> no, we're so. Why are we so terrible? We're just the worst. So the, but like even just having that experience, because I I like to think I'm fairly like open minded and trying to be understanding of like minority issues. There's also the yes. fact of the matter that I will never be able to. You will never live in that skin. Like, and also I'm a white male. Like I've never even have the experience as being a woman. <laughs> yeah, you are the most privileged class. Yeah, exactly. I have the least. You are issues. an educated, affluent white male. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, from a a good background, I'm educated with a solid white collar job. Like there is <laughs> no one more privileged than I, and I fully realize that and admit it. <laughs> so like, but but being aware of that isn't the same as knowing what the alternative is. Exactly. Me trying to be conscious of the fact that I am from a privileged background. Like, I, I can just be aware of that, but, like, I will still never know what it's like to be, you know, a woman walking down the street and noticing that you've seen that guy for the last several blocks. Right. Or being a black man, like, an adult black man during a police encounter. Yeah. Like, those are experiences I will never have. Mm-hmm. Unless we had Altus. Right. But, realistically, would you log into Altus on a Tuesday night and be like, adult black man beaten by cops after... <laughs> speeding like you wouldn't seek those experiences out really because nobody wants to feel miserable i think that's part of the reason why i think if alta space was real it would need to be regulated and included as part of education yeah that would have to be how it was used like i don't know that people should be able to access that in their home vr headsets casually right like i want to i try to better myself and so like realistically yeah i mean maybe not getting beaten because that sounds very unpleasant yeah. And I don't want that. Right. But, like, you know, the, the tension, the fear of maybe, or you're very aware of, like, your friend that that happened to last week. Like, that, yeah. I would. Just be right. trying to, you know, acclimate myself and understand other like people. Like, the psychological toll. 
but like I am in many ways an abnormality and most people wouldn't and I can I can't say I blame them right exactly that sounds it's terrible very, it's very normal to not want to subject yourself to psychological pain yeah they don't have to be a bad person or a racist to to not want that right and like i mean i would want to do that in the same way that i want to run but i don't (laughs) right i would like to exercise more and eat better it's like it's like consciousness exercise but (laughs) not everyone is successful when they're trying to better themselves yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot easier to just have fun. Yeah, I could do that, or I could go skiing tonight. Right, exactly. Or, uh, like, inhabit the body of a martial arts master having a fight with another martial arts master. How cool would that be? That would be pretty cool. I gotta say, though, I would inhabit the mind of, like, a, a, a math expert solving math problems more than I like to admit it. Oh, my God, say. <laughs> like, I really, I don't feel good about what that says about me as a person. <laughs> uh okay but it's better than just do using it for like thrill-seeking stuff i think i mean that's true at least it would teach you something yes that's true i just missed the thrill of college and solving math problems you're like i'm a badass (laughs) you like blow the little bit of lead off your pencil like put it in your backpack (laughs) to writing like a page and a half equations you're like i'm a genius nobody's ever been smarter than me (laughs) (laughs) right that is the thrill what a thrill Oh my god. <laughs> oh god, I miss math. This is the friendly <laughs> listeners. <laughs> my sister still has math a math textbook from college in the hopes that she'll one day have the motivation to go back and solve some math. <laughs> I, know. I don't do it actually, but I want to. But you do have this textbook and you do fantasize I, about doing it. Mul- multiple textbooks. It's ah, fine. <laughs> ah, I see. I have saved all of my textbooks. In the hopes that I would go back and re-educate myself. I, I mean, yes. And this is our fr- friendly reminder that we are both engineers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much fits the profile, I think. Right. This is perfectly on brand. <laughs> yes. Speaking of brands. <laughs> oh, go on. Cece, I just yes. had a thought, actually. That was mostly like a joke. Um, but no. <laughs> you know what this is very... This book reminds me... April May and, and Andy Scamp remind me of? What? Raquella. Oh, yeah. All right. I hadn't thought about that at all, but you're totally right. For anyone that doesn't remember, Ray Kello, the, the, the prophet emperor read it. <laughs> of the Interdependency series. If you haven't yeah. read it, you really should. I love that series. Definitely do it. Uh, it, is a, it is a top series for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, Ray Kella was an advertiser. She was like, oh, I was a marketing specialist <laughs> and yep. sold this whole thing. And this is a, she created this identity of being the, the prophet emperor. And that's exactly what April May and uh, Andy Scamp did. Yeah, basically. I mean, in a way, that was exactly what April was, a prophet. She was like the person who, she was like the John the Baptist of Carl's Jesus. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, Also, a nice uh, Christian-only joke there. Very, very exclusive. Everyone understands Christianity, right? Everyone. Everyone. Yeah, that's a shared experience. Everyone's that's Christian. a universal experience. You all know about that because that's my culture and I'm, I'm a white person in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Lord. This podcast okay. is terrible. <laughs> why, why do people listen to us? We don't, and let we're us not know. certain that they do. 
That's not true. We have at least a couple listeners. We have at least two. Us. Yes. Um, oh, <laughs> my anyway. God. Uh, right. So, so I, I, we've been calling this a first contact novel, but in a way it's kind of not because Carl doesn't even consider himself an alien. I love this. This is very interesting. I love this very much. This again, kind of called back to the singularity trap, the idea that like an AI basically is going to be sent to, uh, to, to assess and like interact with, um, interact with. like to the maker alien population and this is totally dead on right like this is it makes a lot of sense it's a really good version of the story i mean and this is pretty pervasive let's look at ender's game the the descalado were sent out to prepare the pave the way that's totally true yeah i forgot about that so we look at that we look at this we look at singularity trap the ai being sent the proto molecule the proto molecule yeah but usually it's in a more malicious way, like a takeover, like the Descalada. Right. Some, and the protomolecule and all that. But in general, our first interaction with alien technology, because, I mean, let's be clear. If you're listening to this podcast, you're the type of person that doesn't think there aren't aliens. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, the science fiction podcast. You're of pretty all sure you don't think we're alone in the universe. Exactly. So we will <laughs> one day encounter alien life. But I think it's very likely, and this is obviously not a new concept because it is pervasive in science fiction, that we will first encounter alien technology. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, ruins we find on Mars or some shit, or it's, you know, a small fucking virus that's sent Mm -hmm. forth. Yeah. What? Or it's COVID-19. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Has anyone asked the survivors? Has anyone asked if they feel smarter or something? Or if they have some sort of great <laughs> knowledge of the universe? I'm going to go look some doorknobs. <laughs> I need to know for myself. Yeah, I'm going to start high-fiving people with the site tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure people will definitely be down for that. <laughs> oh, the type of takes, that... takes two to high-five, Peter. See, see, the type of people that work construction, yeah, they'll be fine. Eh, maybe. Um, that was mostly a statement about people's general political stances. Anyway, <laughs> has nothing to do with making a like lot of assumptions. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of assumptions, sure. But I also sat in on many conversations. But I did just drive past a construction crew, none of whom were wearing masks yesterday. So. <laughs> yup. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the. Uh, oh shoot! Oh yes. Okay. Question for you. For, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you think Carl is? Oh, uh, I don't understand the question. What beyond beyond what he tells us he is? I mean, yeah. Like, what do you think? Because there's obviously a physical. Like, what is Carl, Carl made out of? Yeah. What what life form would Carl be classified as? Oh. Um. I would say a, a colony of microbes. I mean, he. He's he a calls himself a parasite. He's a parasite. He's a, a microbial parasite. I'm assuming microbial. I mean, but he, yeah, he describes. I would call him a parasite. That would be the class of class of organism I would call him. Although he's not really an organism, at least not by his self representation. Yeah, but neither are viruses, so it's fine. Well, that was kind um, of the, the debate, right? Like whether right. or not he's actually alive, because it seems like he does not reproduce himself, so he does not meet. Uh, our definitions of life 
Yeah, definitely like not. He, he's an organelle. <clears throat> or he's many uh, organelles. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about like what Carl's physical manifestation is. And it might... I mean, he could theoretically be made out of a type of matter we don't have uh, experience with. Well, he doesn't address it. He describes how he like takes up a residence in the bacteria. Right. That's so he clearly he can interact with matter as we know it. That's what got me on and and you know, they saw they saw evidence of him his presence, whether they can actually find him or not. Yeah, I mean he's like a networked a networked parasite. So like oh, bacteria sure. bacteria can form colonies where um you know, they'll all be the one species of bacteria but different individual cells will do different jobs. So they act a lot like a multicellular organism while being made up of unicellular organisms. That is so trippy. It's very trippy. It's very cool. That's kind of how biofilms work. I was about to say, it's biofilms. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's how biofilms work, at least in part. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that. Like, I imagine that Carl, because he inhabits so many things, I mean, obviously he's not one, one collected multicellular organism, so I would guess that he is some sort of particle that is able to network and communicate by whatever means, be it like a protein or like an electrical charge or what have you. But that can um, infect various, various cells. I mean, he must, he must infect cells. That's what, how we started. And theoretically, that's how he continues. If he infects all the cells of the monkey, he can control the monkey's body. Or even just, like, if he controls the monkey's limbs, like, muscle cells and... Or its brain. Yeah. Okay, the... Exactly. That's the... an interesting question, though. I hadn't thought about it. The thought... Sorry? I, I just said that's an interesting question, because I hadn't really pondered it. So, I was thinking about this. So, bacteria, when they form those colonies, they communicate with each other, like, at least their presence to each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, they send messages. And they do that through just sending chemical messages? Yeah. So my thought is that he is, so Carl is that a uh, on a much much larger scale, but they're not limited by the speed at which chemical messages transmit. Because true, yeah, it seems to be like instantaneous. Yeah, I mean they do describe as having there's a wireless capability of whatever structure is taking up residence in these bacteria. That's why I feel like I think of him as being more networked by um, electrical charges. I mean, I think the the understanding, the way I read it was there was a a radio signal at some level. Some sort of electrical signal is being transmitted between these structures in these cells. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense to me as well. It's fascinating. Especially because he could interact with like, like. Regular human technology. Yeah, like technology and like he has access to all this knowledge and so on and so forth. Like. It makes sense that it would be not strictly biological, like that there would be a um, electrical component to it as well, or like a signal component. I do wonder about the the makers, and specifically, what do you wonder about them? I wonder about. So you have April May, who has this ability to like download information off the internet randomly, like at will. Yeah, and she does this. I think it's implied through using Carl's structures and, and interfacing with Carl. 
but it is clear that this technology exists because she can't do it after Carl dies. True, yeah. So it's clear that this technology exists and probably existed, you know, a millennia ago whenever Carl was flung into space. Because I highly doubt Carl Clearly. arrived at a faster-than-light ship. I'm sure he was, like, thrown on a, a rock or something. Right. Towards planets and just the gravity. And they, the gravity well would get rid of any difference. Yeah, you'd have to. Um, so the... I wonder about the makers. I wonder what their capabilities were. And if they, like, are interfaced. If they have, like, a, a, you know, a network connection in their head. Or if, yeah, are they are they like a sort of a hive mind situation the way Carl is? Are they a hive mind? Are they just individuals like you know basically the gene equivalent of having implants to just let you do things on the internet at will, or is that a particular application that Carl came up with in the heat of the moment when he had to figure out a way to repair April May? Uh you mean April's Google abilities? Yeah, like April April's okay, but I'm I think we can assume that if there were other people like her. She would have greater capabilities than just Googling. Like, I'm sure she could communicate wirelessly with other people. I'm sure there's lots of things she could do. Uh, it was just never as relevant as her ability to Google. That's interesting. So do you remember, is it addressed whether um, April can communicate with Carl and vice versa, like, when they're not together? I or is it something that Carl know. just doesn't do because it would be considered like an invasion? I think he doesn't do it because it would be considered not a social norm. I that brings me to Carl's rules, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, those well. must be discussed. Yes, very cool. I I appreciated that Carl was a POV. I was so excited when Carl started talking. Also, shout out thrilled. to Kevin R. Free for constantly playing genderless roles. Oh, does he? Yeah, he also played Murderbot. Oh, I love <laughs> I love that Murderbot's so deliberately like I have no sex. I am sexless. Stop pretending I have one. <laughs> you guys always make me seem like I'm male. I don't have a sex. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, that's true. But, Fair. You know, Carl Carl's not as worried about it, but is considered genderless because they are, I guess, a collective. So how can a collective have a gender? I mean, they're an AI. How can they have a gender? It's not like he has reproductive also organs. that. Yeah, right, exactly. To Murderbot's point. <laughs> right, exactly. Unless you're an AI that is somehow created for sex, what's the point of a gender? That's true. Carl did not have a physical body that had one or the other sort of sexual uh, equipment. And Carl also didn't, like, have that identity either. Carl, yeah. didn't... Carl wasn't like, no, I'm male. Like... Carl developed an ego when he, like, networked enough bacteria together, so... Right. Bacteria also do not have gender. In case anyone was wondering. <laughs> In case, just that's my um, biology perspective. Let me save you that quick Google that will lead to really weird ads. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so, uh, yes, Carl's rules. I mean, it's sort of like the laws of robotics, right? Like, any artificial yes, intelligence yes. has to have a a code that it cannot break. Otherwise you're screwed <laughs> you should not be creating one if you cannot give it a, a comprehensive code that will make sure it acts ethically i don't think i brought this up on this podcast before i think we've talked about it in person but okay. there's another book series i read called the hand of the mage king i think we have talked about it on the podcast a little bit oh okay anyway there are a, i the learning like one of the later books that there are like three ais in existence like full ais oh, but cool. they're so 
uninterested with humans. That makes they a don't lot of give sense, a flying actually. fuck about people. Like there's one <laughs> that like kind of has the persona of like a teenage girl that they like it's adopted for itself. Mm. Um, and so they like they occasionally help out with like investigations. Like, hey, we can't figure out this problem. Can you? Would you mind? Like, they get to ask them one question, but like they'll have to do something like give them like posters or something. Right. Like some random thing, whatever interests that AI at the time. And oftentimes the requests <laughs> are completely nonsensical to humans. But the, otherwise, hilarious. the humans don't give a shit about, or the AIs don't give a shit about humans. That's hilarious. And also tracks, I think, actually. Yeah, I'm well. like, that. I learned about that. And I was like, that is so interesting. And I see it. I so see easily. it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. We are, humans are so egotistical. We think that we have to be the most interesting thing around. Right. We have to be the only species in the universe. We have to be the most interesting things in any room. Like, if you were a new, all-powerful intelligence, why would you do anything but involve yourself in human affairs? Yeah, exactly. You're making Because, right? first of all, you have to have the same priorities as us. Yeah, you're right? driven you by the same things. You have to be, things. like, starving for power and all of that. And also, you have to be interested in us because we're amazing. There's nothing else going on that matters. Yeah. So I always like the perception of AIs would just ignore us. They don't give a shit. Especially considering, like, to a, to a true, complete AI, we would probably be about as, like, <laughs> as unique to them as, like, a, a raccoon is to us. You know what I mean? I mean, right. There are billions of In terms of, of us, like, scope of brain power. And we are not very interesting. Like, individually, we are not that powerful. I don't even think other humans are interested in me. I'm not interested in other humans. <laughs> also that. <laughs> I, but as a species, we are convinced that we are the most important thing going on. Exactly. At any given time. I mean, look at our science. I guess science, my favorite science fiction. Um, and, you know, a great example of this is A Long Way to a Small and Green Planet. Mm. Are science fictions where we don't fucking matter. Yeah, we are just like a small participant in a humongous global, or excuse me, galactic or universal Global. Society. There's only one world. It's us. <laughs> it's our so CC, so species-centric. Also, aliens definitely want our planet. For no sure. how much we've poisoned it. Yeah, look at this Earth. Boy, oh, boy, howdy, it's a cool Earth. I bet there's a book out there where people are like, hmm, I wasn't interested, but they've really warmed it up nicely. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't think that there was enough methane in the uh, in the atmosphere, yeah. but now I actually need to breathe CO two. You kind of terraformed it for yeah, me. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Can you just hang? Also, there wasn't enough water. Oh like, no! Water. Following up on this this theory, okay, this per- this species is actually guarding our planet. Like other species have rolled up to try to like conquer it or stuff, and they've like become our protector because <laughs> we keep getting it closer and closer to terraforming. And also, once it's totally terraformed, it's gonna kill all of us off anyway. Wait, Peter, they've infiltrated the oil industry. <laughs> no, no, okay, no, no. Now the you're... first one was Rockefeller. <laughs> no, oh my god. I know, I think that... that... They were like, you guys are clearly not going to figure this out yourselves, so look, it burns. <laughs> they invented internal combustion engines. <laughs> like, Ford? Oh yeah, Ford was one too. We just came up with our whole own conspiracy theory, but it's for <laughs> for a greener earth, so... Oh my god, this makes me... This is the only time <laughs> the I've ever aliens actually... aliens are controlling you. And once you deburn fossil fuels. <laughs> this is the only time I've ever wanted to write a book. <laughs> Do it, Peter. I'm gonna call Hank Green and be like, listen, I'm terrible at writing, but this this is this is for you. 
<laughs> yeah, I know you're busy, but I really think that you should do this. First of all, judging by this book, I think you would do a spectacular job. For sure. For I, sure. <laughs> I also think he would definitely like get in on the very obvious the oil industry are aliens trying to kill us. <laughs> I think it would be wiser to get like a uh, a nice uh, forum about this, honestly. Just really infest the far right with this concept. We'll be we'll have it made, honestly. Yeah, gonna, this will solve all our problems. I'm gonna head to some alt right forums yeah. and bring this Start up. Start making YouTube videos about it. Get a hat, go in your car. <laughs> Don't let them know it's a Prius. Or do. <laughs> or do, because that's my statement against the oil industry and their Take alien Take that race. oil industry. <laughs> yeah, I've been... Here, dr- no, you know who needs this? Elon Musk. Oh, my <laughs> God. all the right crazies. Oh, my God. He's crazy enough to believe it, so it's fine. Yeah, I could legitimately convince him of it. I bring him up on this podcast way more than I do in my day-to-day life. <laughs> <laughs> I bring him up on this podcast about as much as I do in my day-to-day life. Which is basically a sci-fi character. I think this is worse, Cece. I think mine is worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is worse. I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> listen, listen. I have to pick some stuff up at Target by 10, and it's 9.22. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Are there any other things <laughs> we wanted to discuss? Probably. Uh, what can you think of it? Okay, so when I started reading this book, like the first thing April did was talk about types of lies, and I love that. Very good, very good. It was such such like a ooh on the nose <laughs> moment when she said the second type of lie. Hang on, I actually wrote down the quote because I thought it was like it was just so. This is a fun example of how much more proactive you are. You often come with like this. I wrote a couple things down here and I'm like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) I didn't take that many notes for this book, but this I I wrote down. I think I fell asleep during that chapter. Weird. (laughs) The lying might help avoid some negative outcome, but really it's a tool for weakening reality and thus strengthening yourself. Ooh, Ooh, Hank Green. Ooh, Hank Green right in the heart. Ooh, Hank Green. (laughs) Ooh, Hank Green. (laughs) Oh, it's so accurate. Also, Hank Green, you good? Reality has been deeply weakened for the last... Ooh. No, let's just call it four years. (laughs) Just as a random number. Four to five years. This is just a fun number. Just a fun random number. Uh, I think it's about that. Can't really ponder why. But, like, the idea of (laughs) weakening reality in order to strengthen your own position is, uh... It just resonated. That's all I'm saying. That is very fair. It was it was just like a phenomenon we've all seen and recognized very well phrased. Yeah, exactly. It was the thing that kind of you're like, ah, that's dumb. It makes me feel bad. But why? And it was very <laughs> articulately put out. I hate what you're doing. And Hank's like, is it because it's this? And I'm like, it, that is why. That is exactly why. Yes. Thank you, Hank Green. Thank you, Hank Green, for this gift of clarity. Cece. Did you listen to the My Brother, My Brother, Me episode with Hank Green? Yes. Because it was so good. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Hank's delightful. He is very funny. Yeah. He's very funny and he's incredibly smart and incredibly well-intentioned. I just great things when they like very much guessed the plot of this book. <laughs> I didn't listen to it after I read it, so I'll have to go back and check. I did because he was very clearly like, Oh, is like it? Oh, is it gonna be like an evil corporation? Like they make their own cryptocurrency and take over the world? And Hank's like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
they they nailed it oh man so hank hank did a whole video about how um both the first book and the second book ended up looking like he basically wrote them about the world as it was when they were released when he you know of course wrote them years and months before as if he was straight up omniscient yeah like (laughs) obviously so he said that um in the first book he had to actually make the antagonists like the defenders and peter petrowicki and all that more like malicious because that level of discourse had been so degraded like the bar was so much lower (laughs) and he's like okay i guess i have to make them worse somehow because like it would just be regular amounts of bad and not, like, fiction amounts of bad if I wrote them the way I originally wrote them. Right, the Defenders are meant to be a caricature, not a, a commentary on the real world. <laughs> not, they're not the world as it is, just regular style. <laughs> they're not like, oh, I'm listening to this audiobook. Okay, now I'm watching the news. Right, exactly. Um, but then similarly, he's like, I actually did a search of how many times I mentioned pandemics. Like, what Carl was sent to prevent is basically what's happening now actually like the idea of human individualism and power consolidating into fewer and fewer people's hands causing like almost extinction events like obviously so far COVID-19 does not prove to be an extinction event but it is a pandemic the likes of which the world has never seen and our response to this pandemic is not kind of filling me with confidence about the next one (laughs) Oh, uh, I'm I'm deeply hoping we learn some lessons. I'm sure some countries will. <laughs> I'm hoping that the fact that this ended up being like, you know, it turns out like, you know, it's, it's obviously a big deal, but like, it's not an extinction event. Maybe, you know, next time we'll be like, well, we have to take this way more seriously. And also this is so much worse and we'll rise to the occasion, but I Correct. don't actually believe it. If the next one is bird flu, which is what all the scientists have been afraid of for so long then hopefully we'll be a little bit better equipped to respond to it. Wasn't there, like, a moment at the start? Like, every... I feel like the, there's a start of every, like, major outbreak where the scientists are like, we don't think this one's bird flu. <laughs> and it, it doesn't make sense until you know the fact that scientists are... Like, epidemiologists live in fear at night of bird flu making the jump and being super virulent. Yeah. I mean... Okay, bird flu has made the jump and is super virulent, but it does not spread well. That is the only thing saving us. I thought virulent had spreading as part of its definition. Uh, I guess sort of, but I'm I mean it in the context of it does a really good job killing people. <laughs> oh, is is lethal. But it is yes. the The mortality rate is very high, but the spread is not there. It does not spread well from human to human, like MERS, which is another coronavirus. So what we're afraid of is we take the the case fatality rate of bird flu and make it really easy to catch yeah from other humans. if we took the mortality rate of bird flu and the infection rate of covid yeah that is the nightmare that, i mean that is that is um, the world changes as we know it yeah but ironically the things that make covid not benign but less less of an individual threat are what make it so dangerous for humanity as a whole like the fact that so many people have mild disease I mean that it's so hard to detect and it's so freaking easy to spread despite being so hard to detect. This is why it's been so hard to control. Again, some countries managed it. Some countries have a sense of civic responsibility. Our country is not one of them, apparently. Do you see New Zealand got another case? 
I did. I was so sad for I them. Was very they don't sad deserve that shit. Although, you see, Russia claims to have developed a vaccine. Yeah, I don't trust that shit for a minute. I don't know. I was reading it on news outlets <laughs> that would definitely decry Russia lying. Like, my here's my money. This is my bet. Um, they were. We already knew they were stealing, stealing our, like, our research from American companies. We actually caught them in a few cases of it. Mm-hmm. And I think they stole some promising vaccines and then rushed <laughs> to human trials with them, basically as is. And, well, and okay. that's that. I don't mean that I don't believe they have a vaccine. I mean that I don't believe they have done a responsible amount of research. I agree. But. To, because I, what I mean is I don't believe Putin when he says it's definitely effective. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> they have they're they're starting phase three trials now. They've just also released it. Yeah, I mean, apparently, allegedly, his daughter's gotten it. Yeah, which is very, uh, which is fine, you know. Like, I think she's a study participant, but releasing it to like the, the market is yeah. very irresponsible. So yes, we will see what comes of that. You know what? Maybe they will. Maybe like you know the well American scientists as we're still like working on finalizing some of them because I think I read Dr. Fauci was saying that November timeline we could see the beginning of large scale human trials. Uh, my understanding is Moderna's at least is currently like at least recruiting or, or maybe even starting their phase three trial. Oh, maybe he thought she was saying release. No, he was saying release in. I think he was saying release in November. Like some of our more pr- most promising vaccines, because he released this this fall last winter. Yeah, because I mean, the good thing is like we have to know that it's protective, but it doesn't necessarily have to be protective forever. <laughs> We could always boost it. You know what I mean? Like, That's if we true. find out that the antibodies are only good for, like, six months. First of all, if there's wide enough vaccination, then we hint, could hint. probably just just starve it out. And, you know, right. there wouldn't be enough human hosts. And, like, we'd probably keep vaccinating for a long time. But, like, maybe not forever. Um, but, you know, more importantly, like, we would at least be able to greatly reduce the case numbers and get it under control for the amount of time that they... That they um, protection lasts and then re re dose is necessary but like we don't have to wait years to find out if it's effective for years and we won't find out if it's effective for years we will not find how long the immunity lasts until it's been in the population for a long time but anyway the point is that it just has to work for a while <laughs> in order for us to release it responsibly i mean fair, fair enough i mean it's the idea of a lockdown right like the lockdown needed to work for a certain amount of time and men in many places was highly effective and it stopped the right. spread enough a vaccine would let us do that and also keep our economy open right exactly for yeah like new zealand locked down very thoroughly but they were able to start the virus out and have it basically down to no community spread yeah i mean we were talking about how they got one case in 103 days can you imagine and like i know it's not a one-to-one comparison like i know america is way bigger and way more densely populated but right but i would settle for a thousand cases that would be cool instead of a thousand cases in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, more um, <laughs> per day. <laughs> per day. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway. All right. I I think that's it for me. I'm sure it's not, but it's all I can think of for now. It's all you can think of for now. We are very far along. Obviously, we're like we're looking at this as an hour and fifty minutes. I'm gonna have to cut some parts out of here because you know, CC had to go do something. My headphones died. <laughs> So, Sorry. But anyway, at this point, we're probably talking about like a hundred and forty-five minute long, or an hour and forty-five minute long episode. So it is reasonable. So let's wrap it up for us to wrap it up and call it here. So let me just say thank you guys for your patience. Sorry about us kind of ghosting you for a while, but we're back and we're going. So Peter, what's our next book? Our next book is going to be the novel A Brave New World. Oh, I've never heard of it. 
by, just kidding. by Alan Huxley. Cece and I just did, uh, in our conversation earlier to kind of take take the to part the curtain a little bit. Cece knew um, <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. Uh, so the we are both. I don't know how regular it is for you. It's way more common than I feel like it should be for me that my significant other will make fun of me that I have a science fiction podcast and have never read A Brave New World. Yes, Albert does that all the time. Yeah, my counter... I have read way more science fiction than him, but right. he has read A Brave New World, so... In my counter that I read the other high school dystopian future novel, 1984, doesn't work because my significant other does not have a science science fiction podcast. I have not read 1984. Cece, how could you not have read 1984? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, Girl schools don't assign science fiction books in that high school. novel. The old oh, I, I read. Uh, I I discovered Crichton through uh, high school. Really? It was a recommended reading book for like sophomore year. Wait, what Crichton, Peter? You didn't tell me what Crichton. Andromeda Strain. Oh, Andromeda Strain. Some, oh, that's right. Some peak Crichton shit. Uh, I mean, peak AKA first, but so good. Um, I mean, you, he, he nailed it, knocked out of the park and won. I think that's Yeah, my I'm trying to think. I can't remember reading a single science fiction book for school my entire high school experience. I also I'll had, ask Millie if that's uh, changed since I went there. What's it called? Um, Guardians, uh, Gar- uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> they signed us some comic books. It's fine. I read Hitchhiker's in the first one, too. I know I was assigned comic books, actually. What? what? What comic book? Batman Begins. That's hilarious. For what class? English. Oh my god. It was. It was I like. I want to go to a boys' school. It was a very. I mean, it was like three quarters of an inch thick. Like it was three comic series. It was a pretty significant amount of reading. That is the hardest English test I've ever taken. The Batman Begins one. Yeah. He That's showed awesome. us pictures and was like, "Look at this scene. Describe what's happening." And he cut out the text. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's so awesome. I love your English teacher. Uh, Mr. Brown, what a dick. Uh, the book I enjoyed the most that I read in high school was The Tale of Two Cities. So, that very different experiences. Boy school. <laughs> I know, seriously. You know, I loved going to a girl's school, but now I'm pissed. <laughs> now, in hindsight, a little mad. A little mad about it. Alrighty. So, yeah, a brand Anyway, so yes, we are going to <laughs> at least check that one off of our uh, science fiction Yes. Blind spot list, uh, ex- which is vast, because I also have never watched Star Trek uh, TV shows. And also, you know, you've never watched... Next Generation's pretty good. I know, I try to watch it, but the first episode is so boring. CC, one of the great... One, like my One of my personal favorites, which I realize is unconventional opinion, so buckle up, folks, is... Um, Controversial, here we come. Yeah, it's Star Trek Enterprise, about the first Enterprise. Okay. It's very excellent. But it's and I find it to be fun and interesting. Is it like the original like uh, no, Leonard no, no, Nimoy no, no, and no. all them or no 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 because that's about like an Enterprise. This oh. is the first Enterprise that the humans and the the oh. uh, well just at this point it's just the humans built. I have been strongly encouraged to watch Star Trek Discovery. I'm watching it. I'm liking it. Uh, what are you watching it on? Because I don't know what medium I can use to watch it. Plex. I don't know what that is. We'll talk later. It's my personal media server. Oh, can I have it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk later. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's a little more complicated than like Netflix. Fair. But it can I be I figured done. since it's personal. Um, all right. Anyway, so we're going to try. Uh, August, okay. uh, what's September 7th? 
September 7th. Oh, that's our mom's birthday. And also Labor Day. So we are going to do our best. I am flying out to uh, Nevada at some point in the near future for another work trip. I'm yeah, coming. A lot of travel. I'm coming to you very much not live, but still recording in a hotel room in Ohio. So uh, things are weird. And no work from home for Peter. <laughs> yeah, work from hotel in various states, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I am... I, listen... I want to hold us to a standard, but I also don't want to overpromise. <laughs> so I think that there might be some hiccups getting back on track, but we are planning to release on September 7th. Under promise, over deliver. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah. I know we're a podcast and like the very least we can do is always release on a, uh, on the right day. But and I know um, we used to do like every other week and now we do monthly, but like. It's actually a miracle. My son hasn't woken up and interrupted us yet. So let's, let's just call this. <laughs> All right. And you have to vroom off to Target. Uh, I have to see if I can get to Target on time. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to find us, we're on social media, facebook.com um, slash sci-fi sidebar. Or email us at, what is it? Sci-fi CC or Peter at sci- signifynothingnetwork.com. I also think it's sci-fi sidebar at signifynothingnetwork.com. Yeah. So any of those, email us, let us know your thoughts, like us. Uh, we sometimes announce what's happening. Sometimes we forget. We're trying to be better. Um, but yeah we will talk to you guys in a couple weeks then thank you so much for listening this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar from the Signifying Nothing Network a tale told by idiots bye guys bye guys